Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to season three of the Relationships Made Easy podcast. Yeah. Woo -woo. I remain your ever faithful, ever controlling, ever loving host, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And today I'm going to teach you the three best tools to use in every relationship. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 30 years of experience helping people create connected and happy relationships. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in your relationship today. So let's get to it. Hello, welcome back. Wow, season three. I actually really can't believe it. 101. This is the 101st episode. Epic. Uh, and and I, I can't, uh, anyway, the centennial went great. Thank you for all the feedback. People have been so loving and kind and nice and and uh, my, my heart appreciates it. So we're... In this, you know, that huge centennial episode I did last week, I announced that I'm going to be doing some slight shifts here with the podcast. And I'm going to also focus on other types of relationships besides just the romantic ones. It is called Relationships Made Easy. I did that on purpose many years ago, <laughs> knowing that I would uh, be branched, you know, be, be growing and um, encompassing more and helping you in bigger ways. So, and, and I have... I have long believed, this was actually my premise in the very beginning, uh, that the tools I teach apply to any and all relationships. And when I was first starting the podcast, it was important to, you know, niche down a bit, not be everything to everyone. But, you know, now that you've all gotten to know me and you've seen that this stuff works, and I'm hoping you'll see I can also help you with your romance, but also with your boss, your mother, Aunt Judy, your kids, you know, a lot of ways. and. Really, um, 
because one size really does fit all. It, it's time to simplify your life and focus on a few tools that'll get you everywhere. Um, you know, instead of worrying, how do I talk to my boss? Is there, you know, any way to get through to my mother-in-law, my lousy parent? Uh, because what was happening is I get these emails from you um, or I get messages on social media or somewhere and you'll ask like, hey, I'm having trouble with my mother-in-law, you know, what do I do? And I'm always directing you back to a podcast episode I've already done or, a, you know, there's always a corresponding blog post and I do these videos on YouTube also covering this information. Um, and so I tend to direct people. I go, oh, well, it's just, it's what I already said, do this, except, you know, I said it for your partner and and they're not thinking like, oh yeah, I could do that with my mother-in-law, not just with my um, husband or wife or whoever. So uh, I'm really just going to, you know, put things out there in a bigger way. And I thought, what better way to start this third uh, season than to talk about really, I think the three best tools to use in every relationship. Like let's start at the top. Um, so obviously the things I've already discussed, but I'm going to discuss them in a different way right now. Um, and so before we jump in anymore, I've, I've got an ask. Uh, if you like this podcast, please, 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 please leave a review. I've asked before, you've probably heard me and if you did it, thank you. <laughs> but if you haven't, I, I know it might seem like a bit of a pain, but I'm asking you to do this for me. This is not Jewish mother guilt. This is just me from a deep place in my heart asking, please, it really means a lot when there's more reviews on the podcast. I want, um, we're growing pretty rapidly, but uh, again, I want the right people to be listening, not wasting their time, but it really helps us with all those different algorithms, um, sort of get on tops of lists and things. So in, if you could put it in your schedule, you know, not like, oh, someone else will do it, but, you know, 10 minutes to make it happen, I'd really appreciate it. If you're not even sure where to start to leave a review, you really would do it wherever you download the podcast. So um, if you, uh, iTunes or Stitcher or Pandora, wherever you are, but, but if you're not sure, we're going to leave you instructions on the show notes page. Uh, so if you come over to abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast, this is the 101st episode. If you go to the show notes page, there'll be a, a, a link there to help you walk through how exactly to do it. So if you would do that for me, I'd really be happy. Okay. So there you go. Enough of my whining. No, that's not, hopefully that's not whining. Uh, you know, help a sister out. Okay. So let's get to it. So here's the deal. <laughs> so. Most of us were taught to have different relationships everywhere. Uh, you know, how you act with your boss at work isn't how you're supposed to act with your best friend. And the idea has, I've always heard and people always talk about, is that there's sort of work communication tools, you know, ways you communicate at work. There's a way couples communication tools, which are different somehow, uh, different tools that you'd use for parenting uh, you know, with what, whoever, your parents, whatever. And while there might be some specializations you would use in different places, I get that. Really, there's sort of these overarching things that, again, are kind of universal truths that apply to all relationships. And I think it's a mistake to start because it gets confusing and overwhelming to think that there's a different tool everywhere. You're, you're one whole person. You're one, one, one unit. So, and when we divide ourselves into different compartments, it just becomes exhausting and frustrating. It's hard to know what's right 
you know, am I saying too much? Am I saying too little? Is this right? So I want you using this kind of the same tools everywhere because there's one you and your relationships and that's it. And it's who you are as a person. That's really what this is doing. It's helping you. You're this person and you show up this way everywhere. That's it. That's that's how, what it comes down to. So now here's the key. So let me tell you, there is a difference and I'll, I'll tell you what that is. The key is that So your tools and ways of being are the same across the board, but your boundaries are distinct in different types of relationships. So I want to do a quick thing on boundaries, and then we're going to get into the tools. I want to tell you what this difference is. So I've talked about boundaries before, um, but but let, I want to brush you up on, the, I want to talk about this aspect that actually I went back and I looked at my boundaries episode and I realized I didn't really talk about this. So. Um, what there are, <laughs> boundaries are on a continuum. And the continuum you can think of, uh, like picture a straight line in front of your eyes right now. And on one end, there's it's the word thin. On the other word, on the other end is the word thick. So there's thin boundaries and thick boundaries. And I want to talk about each extreme. So, you know, way on the end of the continuum of each side. So thin boundaries, like super thin, again, like way on the extreme of thin at the very end, are uh, these thin boundaries are what we psychologist types refer to as enmeshment. <laughs> and this can, ha- this, this can happen in all kinds of situations. And it's a sign, it really is a sign of unhealthy boundaries, the, the enmeshment. It's, it's not a good thing. It's not where you want to be. So if you've ever watched the show Smothered, uh, uh, if you haven't, I, I couldn't even watch it. That's how bad it was. I literally tried to watch it with my daughter and the two of us were like, we can't even watch this. Um, it's, it just made me nauseous, uh, because talk about horrible boundaries. And, um, I always get sad when things like that are sort of out in the public for entertainment because, you know, you're watching people be unhealthy and uh, anyway. Uh, so, but if you've ever watched it, you know what I'm talking about. It's when people are too close and sharing too much and there are virtually no boundaries anywhere. And so now sometimes this happens in a family, uh, like when there's only one parent, it can happen. You know, so the parent and their child or children become, and often it's one of the children, sometimes the oldest, they become like a couple and the child ends up being parentified. So they might act like an adult, even though they're like five years old. Or the child just, you know, ends up in all these conversations they really shouldn't be in. So uh, this can happen also in families, though, with intact parents, for sure. Uh, Sometimes, um, like if a partner is gone a lot and the other parent over-identifies with a child, uh, parents who say that their kid is their best friend and the kid is 10, that... I have to tell you, it's just that falls in this category. I, I, If you're listening and you do this, I'm not judging you. I'm telling you, and I'm going to explain why this really isn't where I want you. It's not good for your child. It's not good for you. Um, and even in the teenage years, you know, we're, we're meant to be parents first and f- friends second or, or friends later. Um, I think these things can change as children get older and they're in their 20s and 30s or something. But when they're... Uh, in our house and we're parenting them, uh, you, it's a dual role. It's sort of like me as a therapist. I, I don't become friends with clients. I can't. I'm, I'm, their, I'm their counselor. <laughs> I'm their therapist. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's really not good to have these dual roles, these two roles like this. So um, maybe you knew too much about your parents' finances growing up or their sex life. Uh, maybe you weren't allowed any privacy 
when you were growing up. So you got used to talking about everything with your mom. Um, then you, but what happens is then you get married and you expect your partner to do the same. You expect all of this oversharing. And if they have any boundaries or if they want some privacy with different things in their life, which they're allowed to have, you take it as a personal affront and as proof that they don't really love you um, or that they're hiding things. And uh, that's not necessarily true. I, I think all relationships, there's, there's stuff I don't, you know, sometimes I'm wearing Spanx. I don't tell my man I have Spanx on. He doesn't need to know. Um, <laughs> he just needs to know I, my butt looks cute. You know, that's it. He doesn't have to know there's Spanx making that happen. Uh, you know, I don't go around well, here I am talking about my Spanx right now, uh, but you know what I mean, <laughs> that it's a boundary. It's just a boundary. It's just not sharing everything. Um, it There's a way that um, we we end up set up when we do that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, uh, And this happens at work too. So I've interviewed people for jobs. I, I used to do a lot of interviewing at diff- different places I worked. And they, I would, you know, be talking to someone and I end up hearing how they're going through a divorce and they're not living at home right now or how much their mortgage is. Or sometimes I would come away having way too much information about the person that I was interviewing. And I knew they weren't a good hire because that means that they were going to overshare at work. They were going to have messy boundaries at work, that they were going to possibly even share things that are happening at work outside in inappropriate ways because they didn't understand the boundary with their private life with me. It's not an interview for God's sakes. Don't share this stuff. Um, You know, there's a, but there's a way that that happens. And again, it wasn't judging them or thinking they're horrible people. It's just, it says a lot when there's too much sharing. So, and again, so yeah, I'm not saying this with any negative judgment, but there is a thing as being too close. So, and in the big picture, enmeshment are these super thin boundaries. They're a problem because it basically, it stops people from developing a true sense of self. Uh, Kids from these families, they become dependent they, you know, I'm waiting for this other person to tell me who I am all the time or to give me feedback. Um, And kids from these kind of families, they have trouble regulating their emotions. They have a low stress tolerance, right? Because they always have this place that they can do this all. And it's uh, often hard for them to stand up for, for themselves, to assert themselves. So all these issues come with us into adulthood and then we perpetuate the problem. Maybe we act this way with our kids. (laughs) It's like, oh, I was raised this way. I'm going to do it again. And, you know, it keeps going on. Or or you might have grown up in a house with really thick boundaries, which I'll talk about in a minute. And you're thinking, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to have my kids be that way. So you swing the pendulum completely the other way and you end up again, overly close to your children with unhealthy boundaries. So this stuff happens and, uh, you know, it, you can kind of understand it, right? But either way, you, we want to fix it. So, well, and let me talk about the th- the thick boundaries now, which is the other side of the spectrum on this line, this imaginary line you drew. If, uh, let's think of one. If you called your dad, sir, that's a thick boundary. If you weren't allowed to give your opinion at the dinner table, um, thick boundary. Uh, you know, children shouldn't be seen, not heard. Thick boundary. Uh, if you, when you were growing up, if, if you couldn't sit on the couch in the living room or, you know, walk in certain rooms in your house or go to the kitchen to get a snack without permission, uh, these are thick boundaries. It's when there are a lot of rules, a lot of formality, and there's not emotional closeness. And kids who grow up in these homes, they learn not to share much at all. And they often have, uh, an avoidant attachment style. 
uh, which um, I did a whole podcast on attachment styles. So you can go check that out. We'll link to it in the show notes for you. But so they grow into adults who don't feel a need to share feelings or their thoughts or on things or, and can seem, you know, very self-contained and sometimes even cold. So, and let me point out, it's never good to be fully on either extreme. So even in the military, let's think of the military. Talk about a place with some thick boundaries, right? There, there's some really thick boundaries there. There's tons of rules. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. I mean, it is regimented. But there's actually still emotionality present. You know, um, my man Gary, he was in the Navy for many years. He was a Navy nuke. And uh, he will, I mean, he he has loyalty to these people he knew, you know, many years ago now. I don't want to age him too. But uh, the the way that they he talks about the stories and of doing things with these men, it's wonderful. You know, there's a real closeness. There's, you know, they you know, the military uses these terms, core, you know, the core, uh, fidelity, loyalty. Um, there is a real feeling though, because you're going to lay your down your life in a lot of cases for these people that you're with. So they want you to bond. They want you to care about the guy or the woman next to you. They, they want that. Um, and so there really are um, very intense emotional relationships that get formed. Um, so even though, again, there's these thick boundaries, they're not so thick or so over the edge. So I do want you to know, so they're thicker than most, let's get real, but they're, um, I want you to see that you can have rules and I have lots of rules, as you know, with my kids, but I still have, you know, clear boundaries with them. Um, and they're, but they're loving and open and kind and compassionate and warm. And we're, you know, I feel very close to my kids. So do you see what I'm saying? So you can, I don't want you to think like, well, I have rules, so I need thick boundaries. No, that's not how it works. Now, so we have these thick and thin, right, on this continuum. And different types of relationships call for different boundaries along that thin, thick continuum. So with your, you know, whoever your romantic partner is, Certainly, you'd be leaning more heavily towards thinner boundaries. You talk about more things. You share more. You're vulnerable. You share your feelings, uh, your hopes, your dreams. There's a lot of emotional closeness. So again, I don't want you so so close that the boundaries are enmeshed and so thin that there's no privacy, that there's no sense of self, that there's only the couple or whatever. Um, but you see how that would be leaning more towards thin boundaries. That's appropriate. It's your romantic relationship. Friendships would sort of go in there too. You know, maybe, um, well, in some cases, it might even be closer, you know, if you've had a, a best friend since you were 10 and, you know, you met your partner when you were 30, uh, you likely have a m very intimate relationship with this best friend that you've had for so many years. That's fine. You know, again, like just again, not enmeshed. If, if, if you go to your best friend and won't make a decision without them, and if they say, don't do something, you don't do it, that that's a problem. That, that there's that dependency again. And we, and we don't want that as adults. So, uh, and now if you go into your job, let's say, you know, work, you would likely be a little thicker on the boundaries, right? You're not sharing what you're sharing with your romantic partner at, with your boss at work. And depending on the kind of work you do, um, how it's set up will definitely depend on having, again, thicker or thinner boundaries, you know, again, along the continuum. So it's still going to be, you know, more towards the thicker boundaries, but it might be, you know, in the middle somewhere, it might even be leaning a little to the thin side a little bit, depending on the job. You know, if you're, a, uh, I'm thinking of, I, I have a client who's a police officer 
he's going through a divorce and his partner and he had been together, paired together for many years. And, you know, the divorce is really shaking him to his roots. And uh, we were talking about how he had to tell his partner right away. But for a few reasons, you know, one, it's his like best friend, his partner and he are just, they've been together, again, they rely on each other. They have each other's backs. They work in a dangerous place and they really have to have this, um, you know, like oneness in many ways when they're at work and know where each other are and what each other are going to do. And I said to him, you know, you're not on top of your game right now. You could be putting your partner in danger by not talking about this stuff is soon, you know, like right away when it happened. Um, I said, you know, he needs to know what's going on with you so he can sort of act accordingly. Uh, so in that kind of thing, right, right away, talk about it, get, you know, and he didn't have to go in the nitty gritty details of everything, but to let him know what's going on, this is happening. Now, if I'm doing, I don't know, data input at a large company and I'm sitting in front of a computer all day, I don't need to run and tell my boss I'm going through a divorce. I don't even have to tell all my coworkers. It's, do you see the boundary? So depending on the situation, the job, um, I would always say with a boss to have thicker boundaries. And once again, um, if it's impairing your work or if you're going to need time off, of course you have to share some. I would still say maybe not to share every little detail. I mean, if you could tell a boss you're going through a divorce, you're going to need some time off, you're having a hard time, but I wouldn't go into, and she, you know, she cheated on me and it was my best friend and I'm really upset. You know, don't say all that. So you'd still, but that might be something you say to your best friend. So do you see where I'm talking here? So these boundaries are shifting and these boundaries are on this continuum. That is what's different in all of your relationships. The tools that you use, the philosophy you use, the way you approach your relationships, I want to be the same. So hopefully that makes a lot of sense to you and understand the difference here. Um, So the tools, so let's talk about these three tools that I want you to, that to me are the universal truths to be applied in every single relationship that you have. So the first one is to stop competing. And you know, this is one of my things. I did a TED talk on this. And uh, it's this is really about a new philosophy in life and, uh, and love. <laughs> Everyone wins, including you, but not instead of you. Okay? Everybody wins. So you might be sick of me chatting about competition, <laughs> by the way, but it's absolutely undermining your relationships if you're not, if you're doing it. And and it's stopping you from being productive, thriving, all kinds of things. So let me let me just get into this for a minute. I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna get too repetitive with things I've already talked about, but I want you to really get this. So, you know, at home when you're keeping score and at work too, when you start keeping score, well, I did this and he didn't do this and she didn't do that, and blah, blah, blah. You, you the, the opposite teams happen right away. Right away. Well, I spent three hours on this and you only spent two hours on this. You know, at home, it's like, you know, I drove Sophie to baseball practice on Monday. You have to drive, you know, Jason to football on Tuesday, whatever. You know, you are splitting everything up. You know, the famous, I always talk about it's your turn to put away the dishes. You're dividing, you're conquering, you know, you're not treating yourselves like a shared resource. And it's a problem. And when you do it at work, when you're, uh, you know, looking over your shoulder all the time, well, he did this and she didn't do that. And I don't know about that. And I'm not putting in another second of time because so-and-so only did two hours and I did four on this project. You know, we start to get into that real scarcity mindset. We start to get into that, um, keeping score, 
I'm competing with this other person. And if you're at, now I'm not saying at work that you can't compete with another company, but within your company, within your department, within whatever, it's crazy because you are setting things up to lose. If <laughs> So here I am on the same team as you, but I'm I, if you get more of something, I get less. So I don't want you to get more. I don't want, if you have a win, I have a loss. So I don't want you to win. This is not going to work ultimately. It doesn't get you where you're trying to go. So this opposite team thing, and, and let me just say this, we're brought up with this type of thinking. It's, it, you know, we, we've heard it our whole lives. So we learn to keep score. You've learned to keep score. You've learned to have this scarcity mindset. Uh, you know, and we do it all the time. We watch what other people are doing and compare it to what we're doing and we're always doing more. Aren't you always doing more? Do you see the problem here? You're not always doing more. But we are skewed that way in our brains. It's the way our brains work to, to point out how wonderful we are <laughs> on those kinds of things. It's interesting. And then we can have low self-esteem and other things. But but on those on those things, we overestimate uh, what we put into things uh, consistently. It's something our brain does. So so the, you know, the next time you're in an argument with your partner and they ask you for something, and again, this works at work, this works with your kids. So let me say this, the next time you're in an argument with anyone and they ask you for something. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Instead of listing all the things you did, did do, so how could they possibly feel that way? listen to what they're saying and just do it. So again, if you're with your partner and they're saying, hey, I'm feeling neglected and you go, how would you feel neglected? I did this and this and this and this. It doesn't matter that you did this, this and this. They're feeling neglected and that's what matters. And you need to figure out how to uh, approach that. And usually that's because the things you're doing are not the things they care about. It happens at work. Uh, hey, you're not putting enough effort in. What do you mean I'm not putting enough effort in? I did this, 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 and this. You're not listening. You're not listening. If your friend tells you that uh, she feels like you, you know, you're you owe, you you uh, steamroll her and you don't listen to what she says, and you respond with, "Of course I listen to what you say. You just said this, this, and this." You know, <laughs> again, you're missing the point. This this is what we do. We we get defensive. We set ourselves up on the other side. You don't want to do that. That's competing. That's part of the whole competition model. We are, uh, and sometimes you're just competing in a bigger way of being the better friend or being the better partner or whatever. But whatever it is, stop keeping score. That's really what always lets you know you're in that competition mindset. That's like your first thing. 
So, and I, and I, again, I want to say this about work, competing at work, it breeds secrets and fear. So you're, you're not going to take risks easily. And I can tell you right now that, that organizations, people, companies, teams that take risks are the ones that do the best, you know, that are willing to go out there. You're not going to be collaborating or sharing. So you're not going to be as creative or productive or happy. All of those things get impeded. And you might think, well, I collaborate at work, but I still watch, you know, what's going on. It, it, you're holding back. It, there's no way you can do both. You, you know, you either are trusting or you're not in this situation. So now, so, okay. So, and also, you know, your own anxiety and tension will be high because you're constantly looking over your shoulder or trying to figure out how to get over on someone or worried about, you know, whatever, someone's going to take advantage. So, and I will tell you, I get lots of pushback on this one usually. <laughs> Abby, if I don't keep that competitive edge at work, I'll never get ahead and other people will walk all over me and they'll take all the credit and I hear the whole thing. Or, and people say it at home too, you know, I can't do that with my partner because they will walk all over me. And I know it seems that way, but I want you to hear me out. It's all about what you put out there. And I've talked about this before. People don't hear what you say. They hear what you mean. So, and you you know this is true because you've experienced it yourself. Bob from accounting is saying all the right things, but you just know he's out to stab you in the back <laughs> or undermine you first chance he gets. Um, you can feel it. You can feel it. And Remember that your, you know, your conscious brain is processing information at a rate of 50 bits per second, while your unconscious brain is processing way faster at 11 million bits per second. So it's your unconscious brain that picks up on Bob's treachery, right? That's what's happening. Uh, well, Bob also knows when it's coming from you. He, he's got that same mechanism working. So if you have that mindset going in, you know, I'm going to take care of myself. People take advantage of me if I'm not careful. Uh, I ha- I got to watch everybody and I got to write down what they do or don't do or, you know, I'm going to, or I'm going to, you know, I'll stomp on someone who gets in my way, whatever that is. People pick up on that and act accordingly. That's what happens. So you can see this and <laughs> so you'll see this, right? You'll see them act this way. They act crappy and you'll say, look, I'm right. But the reason you're right is because you're putting that energy out and people are picking up on it and they're acting in kind. That's what's happening over and over. It's, I have to tell you, it's amazing how few people screw me over anymore now that I have this mindset. It's incredible. Uh, I'm not saying it never happens. Of course it does. But it's rare. And I'm not going to act like an a-hole because I'm worried about the once a decade that someone takes advantage of me. So I'm not going to stay in that mindset. Um, so, and again, with your partner, with your kids, with your friends, with your parents, with anybody to get out of that keeping score, watching what they're doing, you know, do all that. It, it is a big problem. So having that mindset of I'm not going to compete anymore, uh, is key. And that brings us to my second philosophy tool, uh, to have is your tools that work in all relationships, your universal and that is to focus on love, not fear. <sighs> what you focus on grows. Plain and simple. And this really relates. You'll see how what I just said and this really go hand in hand, which is why they're together. They're kind of a bigger piece that I'm breaking down into two areas because uh, it's easier to um, make changes. So if you're focusing on people taking advantage of you, I promise you'll see it everywhere. And this is also due 
to something I've talked about before called your reticular activating system or your RAS for short, which is that filter between your conscious and your subconscious mind. And when you conscious, consciously think something, you know, think something in your head, you have a thought, men are jerks, your RAS kicks on and feeds that to, the, to your subconscious as an order, as an instruction, look for men being jerks. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> you meet a lot of asshole men. <laughs> but it's not because all men are like this or that even most of them are. It's about what you notice. And the example I always give is when you're looking for a new car and you know you decide you're going to get a um you know I don't even a, a a Ford what I don't even know Fords. Sorry. I <laughs> a Toyota Corolla. You decide you're going to get a Toyota Corolla. And all of a sudden you see it everywhere. You see the Toyota Corolla everywhere, especially if even if you think of a certain color, you'll see that color. Oh, everybody has that color. Uh, it's because consciously you thought about buying this new car. It's your RAS kicked on, sent that to as an instruction to your unconscious to look for that car. And it, you'll see it everywhere. It's not because they suddenly started making more of them. It's because it'll happen. It happens a lot with other things too. Someone will mention something and you'll say, oh my gosh, this person yesterday just mentioned that and here you are talking about it. Um, th- that's because it's like, it, it, it's been talked about before with you. Trust me. You just didn't key in. You didn't notice. And once someone brings something into your awareness, you start to notice it more. Um, and and that's bad enough that it's just going to like do this thing where it, you know, when you have a thought, it tells your unconscious to look for it. But it's also, I want to remind you, it, it, even almost worse than that is that your RAS skews your perceptions because it's also filtering out anything that doesn't match that order. So if you think all men are jerks, right? It's looking for men being jerks everywhere. And when you meet someone nice, or you know you have a mechanic who's honest or you know a honest sale male salesperson somewhere it doesn't register <laughs> you become like teflon for nice guys you are and once again you're in that it's it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where your beliefs keep showing up in the world and i know there's like people talk about the secret and the law of attraction and that's all real and i talk about that differently but that's not what i'm talking about right here so if you don't believe in that i don't care um, because I'm talking about your brain chemistry here. I'm talking about your brain, how it works. Uh, and it's one of the ways those other things work too, uh, the law of attraction, but this is a big part of it. So if you're, if you're getting this order to, when you think something to notice it everywhere, and then you're get the, getting the order to ignore anything that doesn't match it. So your, your proof, quote unquote, becomes huge. It, it's everywhere. It keeps showing up in the world everywhere. Well, Here's a radical idea. What if you believed that the vast majority of people were good? What if you believed that miracles, ease, joy, fun were around every corner? These same beliefs can be programmed into your RAS. (laughs) And believe it or not, and it's true, positive things will miraculously start showing up all over the place. You'll start seeing it. And again, you got to get all those bits. Remember the 50 bits consciously and the 11 million bits unconsciously? You have to align them. And this is what we're working on here. And I'm going to be clear. This doesn't mean that sucky things don't happen. Of course they do. It means it doesn't ruin your day. For myself, it means I don't generalize these things to my whole life. And 
I will tell you, I meet a ton of lovely people just about every day. Every day. I feel like I, I run across nice people all the time. Um, because when I'm out in the world, I have in, this intention of connecting and being friendly. Um, I I believe that there's nice people everywhere. Can I be of service? I, I see everyone around me and they see me right back, which is really nice. So bingo, awesome people everywhere. It's really about changing again cuz what are you focusing on what what's there when uh and I'll I'll ooh I'll give you a really good one so my car just broke down uh, I love my car uh but it broke down on the highway and this is just this week a few days ago and my um so I pull over I'm on the highway I pull over in Oakland I live in the Berkeley area in Albany Berkeley and I'm in Oakland and I pull over off the exit and um I park in like a random subway parking lot or, you know, this like mini mall kind of parking lot. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And all these lights came on in my car and everything. So I call AAA and um, they come to, you know, they're going to come and tow my car. And then I call, of course, Gary to come pick me up. <laughs> and uh so that's a sucky thing that happens, right? It sucks. And it's not fun. And it's not like I like that it happened, but I have to tell you, I was, and I'm in, um, uh, I wasn't like in a dan- super dangerous area, but I wasn't in, I mean, I didn't know anybody. I was kind of vulnerable. I was out there. And what's weird now, it's COVID and I couldn't go in anywhere. Like a lot of times you you have to wait for somebody um, and you could go wait in a like coffee shop or, you know, there's a Starbucks right there actually. And I walk over and, I, and then I think, oh, I can't even go in and sit down. <laughs> I have to wait outside somewhere. And I'm in this like parking lot. And uh, the tow truck driver, amazingly, came right away in like seven minutes. Thank you, AAA. But Gary was like at work and he was like an hour, you know, an hour away and couldn't, you know, quite get to me yet. And the problem, of course, was I actually tried to find an Uber to drive me home, couldn't find one. Uh, the tow truck driver couldn't put me in the cab anymore because of COVID. They don't do that. I then was thinking, oh, I can't even really call a friend because that's not cool to be in a small enclosed space with them in the car for a period of time. <laughs> and I was really going, holy crap, you know, this this COVID thing's really affecting me in a whole new level right this minute. And so all this is going on and and I was wasn't sitting there freaking out. I was not sitting there thinking my life sucks. These things always happen to me. This crazy. I hate this. I hate that. Oh, I wasn't sitting there scared. I wasn't sitting there thinking people were going to hurt me. I wasn't, I was careful. I, I found a place to sit where I could kind of look around me. It was daylight, by the way, but still I'm a female alone. You know, I have my computer with me and all my stuff. And so I, it wasn't like I was Pollyanna stupid and just was like, oh, no one's going to hurt me because I think good thoughts. It wasn't that, but it was what I was focusing on. And the fact that I did have someone wonderful to come pick me up. And Gary's so great. He never gives me crap. He's never like, you know, I don't know, like, oh, I had to leave work. And, you know, he doesn't do any of that stuff. He just was like, hey, babe, I'm so sorry. I'll be there as soon as I can, you know. And and I had AAA, which was great. So I had someone who could tow and, it, and I have, you know, the, it was free. It doesn't cost me, you know, I pay for AAA, but it, it didn't cost me anything. Um, I They towed it right to my mechanic, which was great. That, you know, I got home. I live in an area where I'm really close to work, so things are easy. You know, it's it, it's okay. And I didn't feel like 
everything's ruined or that whatever and generalize that. And that's a good example of focusing on love, not fear, meaning that I was focusing on what was good and what was working, not what wasn't. And there was a lot working there, even though there was a lot not working, but it's my choice, right? I wasn't any more realistic to be sitting there miserable, focused on how much my life sucks or how much this sucks to be on the side or how scared I was or something else. That's not more realistic. Uh, than sitting there going, wow, I'm really glad that I could do all these things and that I'm going to make myself safe and sit somewhere that's comfortable and whatever, but all, all will be good. You know, I'm just, it's annoying to have to waste some time, but it is what it is. So it's a different thing. And it's really about what you filter in and what you filter out. So if you start to think, (laughs) that I could focus on love instead of fear. I could have faith in love versus fear. And why not? So let me think. So I just want to take you for a minute. Think about fearful emotions, hate. And when I say love, not fear, I'm talking about love-based emotions and fear-based emotions, right? So if you think about fearful emotions, hate, fear, anxiety, despair, worry, frustration, resentment. Are you getting the idea? Any of those, overwhelm, upset. When you're in that mind space, of course you can't see anything else. But if you go into the love-based emotion, if you choose one of those, uh, love-based emotions are kindness, compassion, patience, openness, joy, ease, comfort, connection, right? You get the idea here too. And, and by the way, this is where you're meant to live. For sure. This is our purpose on earth. As far as I'm concerned, this is how we're meant to be. Life is not meant to be a struggle. We are meant to be in this beautiful place. And if you could believe that, why not? You weren't put on this earth to be miserable. And But you have to decide where you want to focus. But you were given free will. So you need to decide where you want to focus. And putting your faith in fear, I'm worried that, I'm anxious that, but what if? It's not helping you. It's not making you any more prepared than I am. I will tell you that right now. And I'm over here feeling happy and at ease and connected every day. So make a choice. It doesn't mean you don't prepare for things. Of course, I I had the AAA. <laughs> I sat in a safe place. You know, I'm not talking about that. Again, there's this idea that somehow being so worried all the time is getting you ready for something. Ready for what? And again, you're gearing your RAS to look for the bad crap and you're going to see it everywhere. And then you're going to feel like, see, look, all the bad crap happened. I was right to worry. No, you weren't. All the good stuff can happen too if you focus on that. And again, doesn't mean bad things don't happen. It just means that it's not where you focus. So, and I'll tell you a really quick way I do this is a quick route to the love, not fear. Um, is that I just check in with how I'm feeling at any given moment. Is it on the love side or the fear side? I had uh, I was really upset with Max the other day, my Max, my um, almost 17-year-old in August, um, and because he had to take summer school because he's not doing well in school, and he was not doing the work, and he lied about it. He said he was doing it, and he wasn't, and the whole thing. And I and he got a consequence for that, of course, because he's lying. He lied, and there's a natural consequence with summer school, but he, you know he's, it was very frustrating. And I found myself getting really upset and angry because I'm scared, right? I'm scared for him. I'm worried that he's not understanding that these decisions he thinks he's so smart about as a teenager are going to affect the rest of his life. And he's, I know, and you know, that he's going to be really sorry later that he didn't try harder in school. He is, without a doubt. I, I'm, we all know that. 
No one looks back at their life and thinks, oh, I'm so glad I smoked all that pot or he's not doing that right now. But anyway, or, or I'm so glad I didn't do well in school. What a, what a great decision that was. Nobody thinks that once their brains are fully developed and the frontal lobes are connected. But right now, but teenagers have poor impulse control. <laughs> frontal lobes are not connected. They don't think well. They don't problem solve well, all that good stuff. So he's in that. And my worry and fear was overtaking me. And I realized that I was um, like mad. I was so mad because I was so frustrated and mostly because I was so scared. And I noticed it and I just checked in and I and, he, and I told him, I said, you know what, Max, I am going to be, you've got a consequence for this. He had a consequence, but I love you and I'm going to be loving because that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be in your life. I am a support for you. I love you. Um, you've got to deal with this, and but I'm not going to be in a bad mood about it. I'm not going to punish you more. I'm not going to bring it up again. I'm not going to do any of those things because that's not how I want to live. And I'm not going to allow what's happening with you to affect who I am as a person in the world and how I want to show up. So, and that, and I, that was a conscious thing, and that's what I did. I noticed the fear-based emotions. All my, all my, I'm scared. I'm, a, I'm afraid. I'm, you know, anxious. All these things. Um, you know, overwhelmed, worried. If you feel worried or rushed, overwhelmed, you know, resentful, anxious, all that, right? You just notice that it's fear and you acknowledge, I acknowledge it. When it happens, I acknowledge it like I did in my head and I got there kind of quick because I do this a lot, but it'll, might take you a minute, but you'll get there. And then I asked myself what else I could feel from the love side. You know, where else can I be? And in that situation, I chose to be compassionate with Max. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. And I thought about how much I love him and how I'm, I am afraid for him. That hasn't gone away. I'm going to stay vigilant around the school. But it's not where I want all – I don't want all that anxiety to be front and center with him. It's not going to help him feeling anxious. He's going to end up feeling anxious. He he loves me. He doesn't like disappointing me. And I'm, I'm going to use that as much as I can in a loving way. But I'm not going to get us both up in arms and crazy about everything. So – Think of that all the time. What could you choose? So notice what you're feeling. Notice it's a fear-based emotion and shift. And so, and that brings me to tip number three, which is which makes all of this come together in a beautiful way. Which is what I call you, you should make the 18-second shift. You've heard me talk about it before. I'm going to talk about it again because it is the top tool, universal tool to use in all your relationships. The best way to make all these things happen to come from love, not fear to stop competing and to be in that um, abundant mindset is to set intention as often as possible. And setting intention, it gets that RAS into gear. So, and I will tell you this, I've said it before, I'll say it again, of all the tips and tools that I dole out over all these years, this is the one that client after client says is an absolute game changer. They come back to me over and over and go, I can't believe how much that helped, even though it's so friggin' simple. And it does. And it's because of what it does to your brain. It, I call it the 18-second shift because that's the average of how long it takes to do it. I know you have 18 seconds. I timed this. I did a whole time trial with it and because I'm that nuts. And I and it was an average of 18 seconds. So there you go. So it might take you a tiny bit longer, but it's not going to take much. So basically, you want to set an intention before the majority of interactions you make or during any transitions from thing to thing. And setting intention simply means you take a breath, just take a breath, doesn't have to be a special one, doesn't have to be a cleansing breath, nothing else, just take a breath and decide 
how you want to show up in the world in that next kind of segment that you're moving into in your what you're doing. So every morning when your feet hit the floor, you just sort of, you turn off your alarm. If you have an alarm, your feet hit the floor, set intention. How do you want to be this morning? How do you want to be, uh, you know, when you interact with your kids or your partner or whoever or with yourself? Um, and you just pick a word. I want to be patient. I want to be kind. I want to be loving. I want to be thoughtful. I want to, I want to be mindful, whatever it is. And then uh, do it again before uh, a, the next meeting you have. If you if you're going, you know, if you're on a Zoom meeting or something, or going to work, before you walk into your house every night after work, before I do it before every client I see. I did it before I did the podcast today. I do it before all this kind of stuff. I set intention. Take some takes seconds. I just stop. And today, for example, I took a breath and I and I ask like kind of you know the universe to really help me be of full service, to be fully present, to be excited, to, to let people really feel my excitement and to help whoever is listening in at least one small way. That's what, that was my intention. Uh, before I meet with clients, I do the same thing. I have that, you know, a little bit in between sessions. I just take that breath. <sighs> let me be of service. I have an, I'm setting an intention to be of service, to be patient, um, maybe to be, uh, make sure I'm really listening and not talking too much. I know you find it hard to believe I talk too much. Um, whatever. I, I set an intention before I walk in the house every night after work. I set an intention. How do I want to be? And so I'm going to give you right now a seven-day challenge. Here we go. Let's get ready. Episode 101. Come on, third season, first time. Got to take the challenge. Here's what I want you to do. Think about your day right now and all the different people you'll be interacting with. And if it's the end of the day when you're listening to this, think about tomorrow. In each and every interaction, imagine coming from love, not fear. Imagine feeling no competition with every anyone. You are abundant. Your life is abundant. There's plenty of everything to go around. You want everyone to win. Because you know the more they win, the more you win. It's a it's a it's a win-win. It really is. So for the next week, I want you to take that into action by setting intentions around these concepts throughout your day. So you wake up in the morning, your feet hit the floor, you set your intention for being, you know, loving, kind, patient with your family this morning. You, as you sit down for that first Zoom meeting, <laughs> or maybe even just to do work, you take a breath and you set your intention to be thoughtful, patient, productive, to listen with curiosity, set intention. Uh, you hear your phone buzz during the day, see that your mom is calling or your best friend is calling. And before you answer, because again, this only takes a second. You take a breath and you set an intention to, to be of service, to be loving, to be a great listener, to be open, um, to listen more than you talk. Uh, something, you set an intention. If you've been away from home before you walk back into your house, set an intention for how you want to be the rest of the evening with your family or and yourself. So even if you're alone, I want you to set the intention. I want to be present, compassionate, you, fun. Sexy, whatever you want, you make the call. Set an intention as often as you can because it programs that RES and you will start, this is what happens, I'm telling you with everybody, you'll start to catch yourself in your moments when you're not acting that way. You'll start to notice it and you'll start to be fully present in all your relationships and you'll really be the person you want to be. These tools will help you find your true self so you can show up fully in your life. And I want to hear all about it. 
So make sure you let me know how this goes, the seven-day challenge. I totally want you to tell me. You can email me, abby at abbymedcalf.com, whatever you want. DM me, post on Facebook, and and uh, ha- you know, uh, tag me. Uh, Instagram, anywhere, you know, anywhere. Tag me and let me know how it's going. I want to hear and what you learned and what's going on. I know these things will improve your life. I know you can use all three of these in all of your relationships. Think of them everywhere throughout your day. And I'm excited for you. I hope you're excited. Thank you for spending time with me today. As always, it's so fun and so my pleasure to be here with you. And I'll talk to you in a week. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.